Well, it's a new calendar year, and just when you think it couldn't possibly get any worse, it, it does. Same old shtick. We'll talk about it on this episode of Locked On Anaheim Ducks. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy New Year, folks. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, smiling through the pain. Yeah! (sighs) Don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms. You can find it on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon, YouTube. Check us out. You can follow me on Twitter at SimpyJD. Yeah. Why, why would you want to follow me there? Because apparently I make bad takes. I mean, I will briefly touch on that at the tail end of this podcast. But let's start with the game that happened last night, which I'll admit. Um, didn't really feel like watching that hockey game in light of the major sports story that took place Monday night. There, there was a huge story. Didn't want to watch hockey for maybe the first half of that game. So I had to go back this morning and watch it just to have like a clear head, clear mindset. I knew they had lost. I, I saw the second half and I just said, okay, like actually discipline yourself, take the time and see how bad it was, especially during the first and second period. And folks, it was that bad. It seemed like the Ducks had almost no energy going into this game. The only energy the Ducks had in this game was maybe the latter half of it. When I happened to turn the TV back on and when I happened to turn hockey on again, that's when the Ducks decided, hey, we're going to play. But yeah, that first period, that that was stinky. 17-7 shots on goal. Even those seven shots, I wouldn't really consider them very high quality shots. Even during the... okay. Especially during their power play, which had almost no energy at times. It was absolutely lifeless. This is a glaring problem for the Anaheim Ducks. Especially when you have that top line. Even the top line was struggling a bit on the power play. Because they're doing the same play over and over and over again. Really, it's the same two plays. The same cross-ice pass from Trevor Zegras to Mason McTavish, or the same pass from the point to Trevor Zegras. They got theirs off during the power play, but those power plays were so telegraphed that you could see what's coming, even as those two power plays in the first period were developing. I could sense what was going to come. I said, okay, here it goes. Fowler, he's going to pass it this way. Now it's going to go to Big Tavish. Okay, now it's going to go to Henrique. Now I know what's going to happen next. It's going to go to Terry on this side. I bet it's going to go back to the point. Yeah, went back to the point. It's predictable. It is entirely predictable. And that is not good for the Anaheim Ducks. It's a problem. It's a major problem. Can they fix this? I mean, they had five chances. They had five chances on the power play to try to fix things and they simply didn't they just even on that last power play 
they kind of stood around for a few seconds waiting for what exactly what are they waiting for at that point no there's got to be some movement there's got to be a little bit more variety on the power play it can't just be the same two plays over and over again because opponents at this point have seen that they've seen those same plays over and over again maybe mix it up a little bit maybe switch out someone from the top with Fowler and bring them down low during the power play maybe switch McTavish and Terry on that first power play unit maybe put Z no don't put Z in the middle no Henrique is still good in the middle but they've got to start switching things around that second unit especially I don't know what they were waiting for I don't know what Ryan Strom was waiting for I don't know what Frank was waiting for Frank has been frustrating at times Ryan Strom has been frustrating at times even John Klingberg has been frustrating at times. I think that second unit was especially frustrating because there was hardly anything worth quality during the second half of those power plays. The second unit is bad, folks. It's really bad. Klingberg might not be the answer on that power play. Shattenkirk being out there might not be the answer. Frank might not be the answer. I mean, what else... Can the Ducks do at this point? I mean, should <laughs> I say this jokingly? What should they go 10 8? I mean, yeah, they went 11 7 again last night, and Dallas Eakins definitely favors his 11 7 strategy for whatever reason. It seems to work if you're Team Tank. That's where it works. Why aren't we seeing more of Mason McTavish on the penalty kill? To be fair, there was only two PKs for the Ducks, and they were good on both of them. But Philly doesn't exact, exactly have a stellar power play themselves. In fact, Philly, not one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. So for the Ducks to get obliterated by the Flyers, it speaks volumes. It really does. We are at this point almost halfway through the season. We're 38 games in. The Ducks are 10, 24, and 4. Once we get to the halfway point of the season, I'm just going to go all out. All out with the stats, all out on what has gone wrong. There's a couple of things that have gone right, but for the most part, a lot of things have gone wrong for this Ducks team. Power play being one of the big ones, one of the big culprits. And I just talked about the power play for a while, but... What's the solution? What is the solution to the special teams? All right, I'll talk more about the game itself after the first intermission. Stay locked in. But first, let's talk about Bet Online, which is the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. You have the NFL, obviously. You have the NBA. And, of course, you have the NHL. And speaking of the NBA, there's been a plethora of point bursts recently. You had Antetokounmpo going big. You had, wow, what got into Donovan Mitchell? 71 points. You could find a lot of those weird lines as far as the NBA on BetOnline. NHL has plenty of lines, including futures. So, if you want to check out all those lines, 
head over to Bet Online using either your mobile device or your laptop. Bet Online is where the game starts, and Bet Online is the official online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, and let's talk about the game itself. Do we have to? Yes. Yes, we do. It was all Philly, as I mentioned in the first period. They just had their way with the Ducks. Joel Farabee with the pretty slick goal. I really like Travis Konechny. He is one of those players that I've always liked personally and I thought would be an important piece for the Philadelphia Flyers. And he looked invincible against the Ducks for the first maybe period and a half. First half of the game, he looked invincible. And they had a lead at that point. Fair B7. Then Morgan Frost with his eighth of the season. But let's talk about that second period, the start of it. The Ducks had nothing. Yes, they had a little bit of power play time left. But after that, zip nada. And Konechny scores. His 19th. He's already got 19 goals this season. Can you imagine any of the Anaheim Ducks having 19 goals so far this season? Because I certainly cannot. We're in January right now. The Ducks have the least amount of goals in the National Hockey League at this moment. It's sad. Why Why did they get a Travis Konechny? Why do they get to have him? Oh, then fourth... Fourth line. If you can call it that for the Ducks. I know it was 11-7, but... The extra line for the Ducks just did not look good at all last night. Except for maybe the last few minutes of the game. I'll get to that momentarily. Third period, another just great goal for the Flyers because, of course, Scott Lawton scored. It was 4 nothing at that point. And all of a sudden, that's when the Ducks decided, okay, we're going to turn it on now that they've scored four goals. Mainly because they didn't want to get shut out. Maybe because John Gibson didn't want to murder someone. Maybe because they wanted to just get that bagel off the board for Samuel Erson. Who, by the way, just to talk about Sam Erson for a hot minute. This was his fourth career game. He came in kind of like gangbusters a little bit. And he has had some decent outings before going up to the Flyers. And he's looked good. I mean, what? Three consecutive wins? How? How does that happen? Yeah, his NHL debut was a little bit shaky, but that was against a very, very good Carolina team. And then you put him on this road trip. You put him through San Jose. You put him through Los Angeles. You put him through Anaheim. And he's won all three. He went through the state of California like gangbusters and just took over on this game. And you know how we love these Swedish goalies. 
yeah, he's he's looked good. He's only 23. Lehigh Valley, he's looked pretty decent. And I have watched a couple of Lehigh Valley games, mainly because there was a couple on NHL Network. But the couple of times that I've seen him, he's a very sound goaltender. I like his game so far. Good for him getting his third consecutive win, all three. But man, he would have loved that shutout. That would have been his first career shutout. And the Ducks decided to spoil the party. (laughs) A very, very late goal in the game. And as I'm watching this, part of me is just laughing. Because I'm going, (laughs) really? Like, this was literally me watching. It's like, seriously? Now? Now you decide to play? Now you're playing hard? Yeah, Sam Carrick had a couple of very good shifts at that point. The third, fourth lines, they looked a lot better. But that point... You go on and you ruin the shutouts. I mean, it's a little bit sad. Like, at that point, you may as well get shut out. The 4-1 looks better than 4 nothing, But just, just take the L at that point. It is a minor annoyance of mine when teams do that. We've seen, we've seen that happen to the Ducks numerous times. That happened with Anthony Stolarz last season. A very, very late goal that ended a shutout bid for Stoli. And I could tell he really wanted that shutout. And even last night, I could tell that Urson really wanted that shutout. It would have been his first professional shutout. Would have been. No shutouts in Lehigh Valley. Ah. Especially when it's their first shutout. Like, honestly, like... Just give him that. At least a little bit. I could see how upset the Flyers were after the game. Um, You wouldn't have seen this on the Ducks feed. But apparently on one of the Philly feeds. Those players were... Like they were happy to get the win. But they were not happy with how that game ended. They thought that it was a little bit Bush League. For the Anaheim Ducks to do that. And you know what? Um, Ducks fans, you're probably going to hate what I'm about to say. It kind of was. It kind of was a little bit Bush League. Because when you have a young goalie like that, it would mean a lot more to him to get that first shutout. And that is especially not what you want to do when you're going to see that team again two weeks from now. The Ducks will be out Philadelphia you bet they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that game. It'll be in the back of their minds. And you all, y'all already know what's going to happen. The Ducks are going to go into Philadelphia. They're probably going to get spanked again. And I think it's going to be even worse now. So, good job, Ducks. You just played yourself. Alright, we're going to head into the second intermission. Just talk a little bit more about this game and talk about some other stuff. (sighs) We'll get to that on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez on this first show of 2023 and another Ducks loss. They're still not quite in the bottom of the league standings. 
they might lose out on the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. They've got to tank a little bit better to get a chance at him. So I very briefly just want to mention that the Ducks did have a higher expected goals, mainly, mainly because of the second half of the game. Something happened towards the middle there where the Ducks just all of a sudden, like they turned a light on. Latter half of the game, the expected goals were about two to one. That's where it was really turned on. John Gibson had another negative game score. Didn't look good. Why are we starting John Gibson? What's going on there? Gibby should get a little bit more rest. He's begun to start games all the time again. He's had three starts in a row. Why not give the other guys a chance when it's this loss of a season anyway? Give Gibby a rest. All right, just that's what I wanted to touch on. I just want to talk about the fact that Gibby started again and the fact that there was a minor miracle that the Ducks did not allow 40 shots on goal. They did get, they got outshot again. They got outshot 33 to 29. And most of those shots with the Flyers were in the first 26, 27 minutes of the game. That's where almost all of them came from. After, yeah, like halfway through the game, they only had like nine shots after that. But they didn't need it because they had a big 3-0 lead at the time anyway. So it didn't matter. It really didn't. All right. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this. So I'm just going to lean into it right now. Um, Most of you by now have likely seen the unfortunate video that took place Monday Night Football. I mean, I was just stunned. I'm I'm still stunned about it. (sighs) So last night during Monday Night Football, during the first quarter Damar Hamlin took of the Buffalo Bills took a tackle right to the chest and he collapsed and I happened to be watching it at the time because I was watching the Rose Bowl game I had been to the parade earlier in the day I wanted to see the Rose Bowl and you know it was on ABC so or ESPN rather so I happened to be watching the channel and I heard what had happened and when it came back from commercial they showed the play and they showed him collapsing and my first thought was oh no like I've I've seen this several times before I've even seen this in person which I will explain right now um, the DeMar Hamlin play was devastating to watch as soon as we saw that they were administering CPR on him and got the AED. I knew who was in trouble. Immediately knew it. That brought out a slew of people, mostly hockey people, saying, why aren't they calling the game? Why aren't they calling the game? A lot of my colleagues were saying the same thing. They need to call this right now like as soon as the players went off the field they should call it and at the time at the time that we were watching this there was the whole thing oh 
they should have five minutes to warm up and then try to play again. I'm thinking, no. No, it's dangerous for a lot of these players that are not in the right mindset to play again. It absolutely should not. And even talking with a couple of colleagues that I won't name here, they even said the game should have been called almost right away. Like, what are we doing here? Like, look at what the NHL has done and look what just happened tonight. It took way too long, which is why I made the tweet that I did. And if some of you want to hate on me, like I got mostly good responses from that, but I got some people that didn't like what I said. So I'm just going to tell you what I said. I said just to compare. Okay. And I'll give you the reason why I said this. Just to compare. Jay Bomeister collapsed from a cardiac episode about three years ago, almost three years ago. At 7.28, game was called 25 minutes later. The NFL took 66 minutes to call the game. That's all I said. That's not an opinion. That's not a take. That's just a fact. And the reason I put that out there is because I was I was at the pond. February of 2020. I remember that game so vividly. And it's still kind of... I don't want to say it scares me, but it's still in the back of my mind that I remember the reaction. I remember how everybody felt. The one thing from that game that still is seared into my memory, and I don't think it'll ever go away, like it's seared in there, was there was a small kid right along the edge of the glass that had a perfect view of everything that was happening, everything that happened with Jay Bowmeister. And I could see the look on the kid's face too. Like he he looked scared. And for him to try to comprehend what was going on, I can't imagine what that kid was going through. It must have been about nine, ten year old. And like just to see that happen in real time in front of me, that's devastating. That's really devastating. And that's why I put the tweet out there. Because I remember everything that happened. They did the CPR on him. As soon as they were able to safely transport him, he was transported to UCI Medical Center. And almost right away, maybe minutes later, they called the game. As soon as he was in the ambulance... As soon as the path was clear, like immediately after the roads were cleared and he went to UCI Medical Center, that's when they said, not a chance. And we're calling it. And there is precedence to this. And I want to thank a couple others that also pointed out same thing happened with Rich Peverly a few years ago with in Dallas, where he collapsed on the bench as soon as he was in the ambulance as soon as he was safely transported out of the arena, they called it. Both of those happened within 30 minutes. And what happened last night, it seemed to take a while. Damar Hamlin was in that ambulance and he was gone within minutes. They should have just called the game right then and there. There, there was no back and forth. At that point, there's no back and forth. 
at that point, now that he is safely out of the stadium, safely in an ambulance, you, you've got to call it. It is kind of a bad look, but at the same time, I'm just glad. I'm glad that he's at least. See, the reports right now are he's got a breathing tube. But, like, it's devastating. It's just devastating to watch. And I brought that up mainly because it just brought back the rash of memories that took place that night at the pond. And I wonder if anyone listening or anyone watching was there if you happened to be there that night like how did you feel how did you react to that yeah so i just wanted to kind of clear the air on that i didn't make a take i didn't make an opinion i just stated facts that's all the intent was there and that's all i was trying to do all right um that's gonna do it for today i'm just gonna end it like that um you can follow me on twitter at stimpyjd Show's Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. And just keep those prayers up for DeMar Hamlin, Hamlin and hope that he pulls through. Really, I really hope he pulls through. And if you have time, donate to his um, toy, like his toy drive. There's a GoFundMe. You could probably find it online. But DeMar Hamlin has given back to the youth for so many years. So if you're able to donate a few dollars... Yeah, it's the right thing to do. And keep those prayers coming for Damar Hamlin. (sighs) Once again, thank you all so much for your continued support. It's so appreciated. For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the night. Please continue to be safe out there. Please be kind to one another. Keep those prayers going. And Ducks fly together. Ducks fly together.